Welcome to Ask the Expert. Today we have with us uh, Chen Kyu So. She is a clinical PhD student supervised by Dara, uh, Dr. Sarah Teichman at the Wellcome Sanger Institute in England. And she's obtained her medical degree from the University of Cambridge in and was a pediatrician in training before joining the lab in 2019. Her research interests lie in human immunology, in particular immune system development, in vitro cell engineering, and implications in understanding and managing diseases. In her recent publication in Science, congratulations, that's fantastic, she spearheaded with another PhD from the Teichman Lab, Emma Dan, on reconstructing the developing human immune system across multiple tissues using single cell technologies. And uh, that is no small feat. So welcome, uh, Chenku. Thank you very much for joining us. And yeah, would you like to share some of your work with us? Sure. Yeah. Thank you very much, Monica. Um, I will start sharing the screen now. Could you see it now? Perfectly. Okay, great. Um, so thank you very much for inviting me um, here for the talk uh, to talk to sort of the research community of um, um, uh, type 1 diabetes. And I would, I really have the, um, um, uh, the pleasure to share our recent work um, here um, uh, on this platform. So my talk today will be on mapping human immunity one cell at a time. And I'm talking not only about my, our own project, um, but also um, on another piece of work from uh, our lab that's also published in uh, Science uh, in May. Um, right. So um, to start with, um, that um, uh, probably most people have heard about the Human Genome Project, um, uh, whereby the main aim is to uh, sequence and map the, um, you know, all of the genes in our genome uh, in the human cells. However, um, although this is a sort of great initiative, um, but what it doesn't tell us is that um, it doesn't encode the multitude of different cell types within our body. Although we have the same, almost same DNA information across the different cell types, um, but of course they, they look different and they function differently. So how do we solve that problem? And um, uh, here my supervisor, uh, Sarah Tuckman, um, uh, worked together with Aviv Roger from Broad Institute and um, started the, uh, the initiative of Human Cell Atlas in 2016. And what Human Cell Atlas is about is, is really that is to create a comprehensive reference map of the different kinds of uh, of uh, uh, cell types across the whole human body. And this would include in both health condition as well as in disease. And really this um, has been a sort of a rapidly evolving global effort and um, the community um, now um, really sp uh, spreads uh, sort of 79 countries and including um, uh, over 2000 members from over 1000 institutes as well. So if you are interested, um, please um, have a look on uh, our website um, and, and you're welcome to join the community as well. But of course, that almost uh, sort of uh, uh, sort of the majority of the new discoveries are often um, uh, preceded by um, uh, new technologies. And what's the technology that's underpinning the, um, the great discoveries of different cell types here? And the key technology that we use is a single cell genomics. Um, 
And I'm uh, here just going to explain a little bit for people who um, uh, haven't heard, although I, I believe that most of you might have already heard or even used um, this technology. Um, so the majority of the time that we use single cell RNA sequencing, and what it is, is that if we take a piece of tissue, for example, in this case, the heart, and digest into single cell suspensions, then the technology allows us to um, obtain the RNA sequencing um, of all the genes um, within a single cell, each single cell. So it's particularly, what, uh, particularly important in the islet, right? Because it's made of uh, several different, very different uh, types of cells. Of course, of course, yes. So definitely in the pancreatic islets um, that has different cellular heterogeneities. And of course, that sort of the, the multitude of information and sort of the, we are looking at each cell with a magnifying glass. So this zooming in action um, helped us to tease apart more heterogeneity within the cell types. Um, um, so this is sort of the resolution revolution that's underpinning Human Cell Atlas project. And on top that. of that. Resolution revolution. It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. And on top of that, um, so, but what's loose, uh, what sort of information is being lost in the single cell RNA sequencing is that, um, as I told you, we have to digest cell, uh, tissue into single cell suspensions. Um, so where the cells are coming from, so that spatial information is lost. And to complement that, we also have the spatial transcriptomics. So from the same tissue, we could cut it and put it onto a slide. And then uh, on that slide, um, the tissue is put into different grids, as you could see here. And for each spot of that grid, um, we then could do almost like a, a sort of small mini bulk RNA sequencing of that spot. And with that information, uh, the intention is then to deconvolve into different cell types. So we know exactly which cell types are located in the tissue. Um, so to put them really back to their tissue context. So um, uh, uh, of course we need sort of the computational tool that links these two technologies together. And um, so Omar um, also from Welcome Sound Institute, uh, so our adjacent lab has developed um, this computational tool called Cell to Location, which is um, again um, published this year in Nature Biotechnology. And um, what it does is that it uses single cell RNA sequencing um, as the reference data to deconvolve the spatial transcriptomics so that it allows us to identify at each spot the abundance, so what cell types are present there and the abundance of that cell type, as you could see from the illustration here. So the, um, uh, the advantage and also the power of this tool is that it can take different reference data, so single cell or single nuclear um, RNA sequencing and it can, it can be used in different technologies of spatial transcriptomics as well. Can I ask you, um, can this technology also be used to ascertain the microbiome as well? That might be a, uh, a like, you know, basic yeah. question, but. So I guess, um, I mean, personally, I haven't started microbiome um, myself, but I guess if you could put, um, let's say like a piece of uh, gut tissue on the slide um, and 
if we could preserve the microbiome that's on top of the gut epithelium well, then I think that's possible as well, yes. Great, thank you. Um, and so what do we do in our lab, in the Titan lab, is that, so we've really started um, uh, um, uh, atlasing the different um, organs uh, since 2018. So um, we first started with sort of each individual organs first, as you could see, sort of maternal fetal interface, the gut, heart, muscle, lung. Um, but what's um, really sort of new, but also um, an important step in our two recent publications is that we are beginning to really assemble the analysis across different tissues and across different organs so that we are obtaining like a comprehensive map of, uh, of the, uh, the human across different tissues. And um, this is really towards sort of an important step towards a, a completed draft of the human cell atlas. And here, um, so the, uh, the publication that I co-led with um, Emma is on the developing um, immune organs and um, the uh, uh, publication from Cecilia and Tran from our lab is um, on cross tissue immunity in adults. So I'll focus on um, uh, these two uh, papers today. And I will use the, um, so our papers, the integrated developing immunity here to illustrate what sort of important biological insight you could obtain using the different technologies that I've talked about. And I'll um, use um, uh, Cecilia's paper that cross-tissue adult immunity to highlight the computational tool that our lab has built to facilitate the um, uh, sort of other users of the same technologies to, to, to have an easy access of the technology. Um, so starting with the uh, developing immunity here, um, Again, why do we want to do this is, is really that so far we have done analysis of each single organs, but we really want to put these pieces together to assemble the full body atlas. And this is particularly important in the immune system because the immune system is really a distributed network. You can find the immune system almost in all of the organs present in the human body. And it, um, so the immune cells first start to develop in the primary hematopoietic organ, so which, which I meant the, the organ that's um, responsible for generating the blood cells and the immune cells. And in adulthood, that's the bone marrow. And then the developed immune cells um, then start to migrate to populate the lymphoid organs, such as um, so the, thymus, uh, um, the thymus, lymph nodes, tongues, or spleen, and the thymus is particularly important because T cells really complete their development and maturation there. And also the immune cells um, migrate all around the body to populate the non-lymphoid peripheral organs as well. And it's really the same immune cell types that we see throughout the whole distributed network. And um, so uh, the situation is very similar in prenatal uh, development. And the only difference is that in the, the primary hematopoietic organs um, uh, uh, have a constant shift in prenatal development, um, whereby it's, so, so it starts from the uh, extra embryonic yolk sac, which uh, then the hematopoietic row is taken over by the fetal liver and then is taken over by the 
um, the, the bone marrow, which then persists to become the, the, the dominant hematopoietic organ in adulthood. Um, but apart from that, the, the whole sort of development of immune, immune cells and the, um, uh, how they populate the, the rest of the organs is, is very similar to in adulthood. And how um, we are looking at this uh, distributed network is that, um, so we have collated uh, different databases uh, from uh, different data sets from uh, the public database um, and also generated some new data, uh, data um, um, uh, ourselves as well, so that we have the single cell RNA sequencing information from all, uh, the whole, all of these nine different organs so that it has a good representation of the hematopoietic organs, the lymphoid organs, and the, the non-lymphoid peripheral organs. And on top of that, we have also done paired single cell VDJ sequencing. So we have a deeper dive into the antigen receptors of the NT cells, and this is perfect to study um, the immunity really. And on top of that, um, in addition, we have also generated spatial transcriptomics. Like I said, this is to place the cells we see back to their tissue context. And we have also done some validation work using in vitro differentiation, et cetera. So that um, overall, this creates a comprehensive um, uh, developing immunity atlas. And um, this comprehensive atlas has really been very um, uh, useful in generating new biological insights. And um, so the boxes uh, highlight some of the biological insights that we have made in our manuscript. And uh, due to time limit, I'm just going to highlight one of them, um, which is um, the system-wide blood and immune cell development. So this is really um, quite surprising. Like, so what I've told you just now is that uh, what we know um, um, from textbook and from previous literature is that blood and immune cells really develop from the primary hematopoietic organs, which in this case is the yolk sac, the fetal liver and the bone marrow. However, what we have observed in the single cell data is that we could see the immune cell progenitors um, almost everywhere in almost all of the organs that we have sampled. And in particular, on B cell development. So um, here I'm going to um, uh, show you some of the results we have. So um, this is a, a um, UMAP of all the immune cells. So each tiny dot that you can see, it represents a cell. Um, and here the colors are just highlighting the progenitors that we were interested in of different lineages. And the different colors highlight the different cell types that we have annotated as well. Um, because for each tiny dot of this, uh, uh, which is a single cell, we have a multitude of information and we know exactly from which organ this is coming from. So when we looked at the B progenitors, as you could see that the B progenitors start from the pre-pro B cells, the pro B cells, late pro B cells, and then large and small pre B cells, which is the whole transition of B cell development that has been described in literature. But when we looked at the cells um, from different organs, we could also find these B progenitors in all of the organs that we have sampled. So not just the primary hematopoietic organs. So it, as you could see here um, in the plots underneath, 
So each yellow dot represents a cell from this organ with the name on top. And you can see that we can find these pro uh, progenitors really throughout the, the different stages in their um, development as well in all of the organs. And this, this is truly interesting because what it shows us is that the B cell development happens in almost all of the organs that we have sampled. And then we then um, looked at the spatial transcriptomics to, um, to see, so where about do we find them? So um, uh, on the left panel, um, um, so uh, shows you the, the results from the Visium, which is the spatial transcriptomic data. So um, for each organ, um, the small um, uh, picture shows the HNE highlighting the structure of that organ. And then the right picture, um, the color scale shows the abundance of the B progenitors predicted. And um, so we could really see B progenitors being um, in all of these different organs. Um, for example, in the prenatal guard, developing guard, we could locate these B progenitors um, in the submucosal region. And we have also used um, a single molecule um, uh, uh, fluorescence in situ hybridization to further validate that truly we could identify these uh, progenitors um, in situ in the organ. And here, so the the dark, each dark purple uh, spot represents a nucleus. And then the different colors are uh, represent the RNA expression of the different genes. So the green, blue, and yellow are the genes that are exp um, uh, uh, only expressed during B cell development. So this is during the B cell receptor recombination process. So as you could see that these highlights the B progenitors we could see from the developing gut. And then the CDH5 um, is a gene that's uh, specifically expressed by endothelial cells. So it really highlights the blood vessels. So here you can see B progenitors that are associated with blood vessels, which are highlighted by the gray arrows. But also we could see the B progenitors being far away from the blood vessels highlighted by the golden arrows as well. So this means that we're not just observing the, the, the progenitors because they are carried to the, uh, the tissue uh, from circulation, but actually they could be found inside the tissue away from the blood vessels, which means that the development of B cell happens in situ there. They develop in residence as well as, you know, coming from the blood system. Exactly, exactly. And also together with what I showed you earlier, you could see through different stages of the, the development. This means that the development happens there in, in that tissue as well. That's great. Um, yes. And then, so this is just a 3D rendering of the, of the um, uh, SM fish picture that I've just shown you just to further highlight that, you know, if you focus on this cell and this cell, that they are truly away from blood vessels here. Mm. Beautiful imagery. Thank you. And then, so of course, so what's the importance of this, right? Um, so this is surprising because we find B cell development everywhere, but what are the supporting cells that 
um, help in the development. And this is important because we want to create um, the same uh, uh, development in, in a dish as well. So with cell engineering, et cetera. So what we did is we went back to the spatial transcriptomic data and then looked at, so what are the cell types that co-localized with these B-cell progenitors in the different tissues? And we have identified, so um, ILC3 macrophage, uh, um, specific subset of macrophages, some natural killer cells, and um, also predicted the interactions between these um, uh, immune cells with the B-cell progenitors. So again, this is quite surprising because for people who have been looking at stroma that's supporting B cell development, um, I mean, the majority of the studies were done in mice, um, but really people have only been looking at the, you know, the fibroblasts, the endothelial cells, so the non-immune population. But what we might be suggesting here is that it could potentially be the other immune cells that might be contributing to the B cell development um, uh, here. And that might be why that, you know, it's such a universal feature, you could find it all this in all of the developing organs. Um, so of course that this can be an alternative niche to the bona fide sort of bone marrow stroma, and it has important implications on um, how we engineer B cells in the dish. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it really does. That's, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a real game changer, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, so we, we are following on from here and working with another lab as well um, to see how we could take this further to help engineering B cells in the dish. So uh, I think, uh, so uh, um, I'm just going to highlight this one particular biological insight from uh, our developing immunity paper. And like I said, this work was um, co-led with um, uh, Emma Dunn and another a computational PhD in our lab, and we were both supervised by Dr. Sarah Teichman. And this is collaboration with um, Professor Mars Hannifer from Newcastle University and um, Mena Klatworthy from uh, University of Cambridge. Um, and our paper has been online in science. That's and fantastic. then- Oh, sorry, I just wanted to ask you just quickly. Yes. Are you, um, you know, are, are you collaborating across, um, you know, the, the Atlantic, basically, with uh, Genentech, with uh, Aviv currently, does your group uh, do that? Yes. We, uh, well, so um, I'm not sure. I'm unsure whether we have any active projects, but there is um, uh, there's a lot of communication between our lab and Aviv's lab as well. Hmm, that's great. And then, are you? I mean, maybe we can leave this to the end as well. But sure. uh, are you looking for you know? postdocs, you know, um, medical students, things like that, or anyone in particular with some expertise in X, Y, and Z? Ah, right. I see. Ah, <laughs> I think I would say yes. Um, but of course, that question, probably I need to ask my boss, Sarah Teichman. Um, um, but Sarah is, is always interested in sort of, you know, recruiting people with different backgrounds. So our, our lab is actually um, uh, yeah, filled with pe people from, you know, different um, uh, background. Like, you know, we have people from immunology who did immunology from bioinformatics and from medical backgrounds like myself. Um, and, um, you know, this has, because we not only want to do um, Atlas in 
sort of health healthy conditions, right? We, we want to expand this into disease as well. So yeah, of course, um, I think anyone who's interested in our work should um, uh, contact um, uh, my boss and the lab. Yeah, no, it just seems like such a rich environment and just a wonderful place to do the work. So yeah, keep going, sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Um, right. Okay. So, so then next, I'm really speaking on behalf of Cecilia for their work on cross tissue adult immunity. Um, of course, that the starting point was very similar. That we want to assemble a comprehensive atlas across the whole body. Um, but uh, um, I might have sort of painted towards it that uh, one particular challenge in using single cell RNA sequencing is um, actually cell annotation. And um, I think a lot of labs spend a lot of effort and time on annotating the cells. Yeah. Um, yes, because it's such a multitude of information that you get at, um, for each single cell. And the traditional methods of using, you know, just one or two markers um, could help, but of course would not be the best method to use here. And really, um, we also need a cell type encyclopedia, right? Because different people call cell, uh, different cell types slightly differently, and the definition might be um, you know, different across different labs as well. And what we want is to create the uh, uh, sort of almost homogenized um, uh, 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 reference map that everyone could use. To, so to start with, we um, 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 we have worked on how do we sort of homogenize cell type annotation and also help people and automate the process. Mm. Um, so, so here the computational tool that we've created is called Cell Typist, and what it is is that it um, it creates an automated cell type annotation process. And um, so, Cecilia and Tran from our lab, uh, together with a few others from the collaborating labs, um, have really spent a lot of effort going through the public data sets, and they've curated and homogenized the the labels, i.e., the uh, cell annotations from these public data sets. And then they've create uh, they've used these uh, data sets as a training model to um, um, to train the cell typist, which basically is is based on a machine learning algorithm, and with your own input single cell RNA sequencing, then cell type what cell typists could do is output for each cell for each single cell the predicted cell type annotation. Um, and of course that they have um, also assembled these uh, adult immune um, cell atlas from 12 different donors and they have um, used their, uh, their own data that they've created to try this out as a proof of concept that it does work and it works very well. Um, so cell type is, like I said, it's a machine learning model. It's um, mainly based on logistic regression um, with acoustic uh, gradient descent. And it's a tool for um, precise and rapid cell annotation. So uh, typically that when we run on a data set, it really takes um, you know, a couple of minutes and less than half an hour to finish the automated annotation process. That's and the, Less yeah, than half an hour to finish the, the entire automated annotation? That's right. Yeah, it's really quick. Yes. 
and um, so so far the the from the public data sets they have homogenized more than a hundred uh, immune cell uh, types and states, um, and it's a model encompassing all, all tissues. Like I said, Cecilia have um, shown in the demonstrated in their paper that you know you could predict the same cell type coming from different organs, and it works equally well. Um, and uh, here, of course, this work was um, mainly spearheaded by uh, Cecilia and Trump from our lab. Um, but this is a collaboration work with Joanne Jones and uh, Karosh from the University of Cambridge. And their manuscript is online and in science as well. Um, so, uh, so far, what we have um, as a lab um, uh, um, have been able to do is that, um, so we have uh, uh, tried to um, assemble this um, human cell atlas, and also we have created computational tools to facilitate use from uh, by other people, such as uh, generating this human cell type encyclopedia. And um, by using different technologies, we're able to map the tissue microenvironments, the cell migration process and cell different cellular interactions, etc. And we're doing so throughout the whole um, developmental stages of humankind. So all the way from prenatal development through to adulthood, really. And of course that we, you know, we want other people to use our atlas and um, what it could be used, for example, it can help to map the molecules. So um, uh, if I'm interested in predicting, for example, a drug response, I could look at the genes that this drug might affect and um, in which cell types that this gene is expressed. And from um, the expression pattern, I could then predict that, so which cells that this drug might affect and in what ways as well. And um, like I mentioned earlier, by studying the, um, the cell development, it could act as a blueprint for engineering cells in a dish. And of course that we want to expand this to, um, to understand disease more, for example, in type one diabetes um, research. And I know that um, in the um, uh, type one diabetes research community, um, there have been multiple papers um, uh, using single cell technology, both sort of in looking at the pancreatic islands, um, but I think more commonly from the blood, which is you know, much more readily available, right? Um, 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 from the patients. And of course, um, yes. And well, the islets are, you know, the NPOD mm -hmm. has been, is a, a great repository and then Canada has their network certain, but they, I, the islets are, you know, very um, precious and rare because they come of from- Of course, the of course. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's precious and rare and I guess not easily available, right? Yes. Um, yes. Um, but this, but of, yeah. this, pro this system provides like a really powerful new way, new approach, um, I think, of um, maybe getting more out of individual islets, you know, and, and sort of like rare resources. So it's really, it's really fabulous. I wondered yeah. if you guys know how many um, type one diabetes researchers actually use these applications. Uh, you mean, you mean applications of the, the healthy reference atlas or the yeah, applications of the technologies? Both. I mean, do you have people, you have scientists approaching you to 
you know, gain access to, um, you know, the, the human cell atlas or, you know, have help with some of the tools? Yeah, um, I have to say I'm not personally aware from sort of type 1 diabetes. I, we have had sort of many queries from other uh, diseases as well, of course, because, I, I mean, we are not the only single cell lab, right? Yes. Um, yes. Um, but, uh, but I guess one um, difficulty I could imagine is that so far in the healthy reference, we, we haven't really mapped um, pancreas, uh, pancreas really, mm -hmm. um, which I think is, is, should be on the to-do list. Um, it is a project for postdoc. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes, yes. Definitely, um, but you know, uh, blood-wise, we we have tons of healthy PBMC data out there um, that you know it could work as a reference atlas, really. And it's very readily available, correct? That's right. Yes, yes. So, yeah. so in the Human Cell Atlas uh, website, um, you could uh, see what data sets are available and. Um, uh, um, usually like there's a link that you can click onto that leads uh, to the download of the data as well. Fantastic. It's really great what you're building. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think this, this is the end of my talk. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, this is really, um, you know, it's just a great opportunity for those in the type one diabetes uh, research realm and other interdisciplinary uh, realms who might be interested in type one diabetes, sort of like, I don't even wanna say anecdotally or you know, uh, coming from another perspective, it might be really um, a powerful place to, to visit and see what you, know, see what you might uh, find here. So thank you again. I would encourage people to reach out if they're interested in working in this space and um, really appreciate your great share today. Hope thank you have you, a great you. rest of your evening in England. Yeah, thank you very much, Monica.